Like I, I really believe that these were all just coming out of the the first major Dark Age peoples after yeah. the Bronze Age. Come like on. you didn't buy Chris Pine a hundred years ago. It's <laughs> yeah, not even a hundred. He couldn't even do a hundred. These people are doing <laughs> twenty six hundred, yo. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey, El Tato. What's going on? We got a podcast of Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffandtheblazer.com. Drew over there writes an article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to episode 48 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast, the show where we discuss and break down films past and present. I'm Drew, and as always, I'm here with my good pal, Mr. El Tato. What's up, dude? What's up, man? How's it going? Happy Saturday. Happy Sabado. <laughs> uh, slogging through another one. Yep. We're uh, going to do something a bit different this week. Getting a little international flavor. Yeah, this is our uh, first foreign film that well, we no. have. Parasite. Is it? Oh, yeah. That's right. Parasite. Well, maybe... One of the more obscure foreign films, I, I guess you could say, <laughs> this week. We're discussing a film called The Legend of Tomaris, directed by Akan Satayev. That's the best I can do. Sagdiev? Yeah. <laughs> Borat <Sure>. Sagdiev? <laughs> so we're, we're going back to Kazakhstan after a week on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> so... Actually, let's start off a little bit differently. Let's kind of introduce everyone just like real quickly in terms of what this film, this film deals with, like the topic, the people, which are the step. And maybe you could give like your best like 30 seconds of like what this film's about. Um, okay, so this film is about a... Just brush over like 4,000 years of history. Uh, briefly, hist- <laughs> or like, a, like a kind of historical legend of a uh, step queen, Tokmaris. Yeah. It's Tomaris in the English spelling, but in the movie right. they, they get this little in there. So yeah. I'm going to try and do that the whole time. <laughs> but uh, she was like a step queen of the, what is it, the Mesagate, which yeah. are a uh, Iranian-speaking subgroup of the larger Scythian or Scythian nomadic peoples that lived on the steppe. And steppe culture is like kind of very similar, even though there's a bunch of different language groups and a bunch of different people groups within the steppe culture. And they're essentially all pastoral nomads, meaning they they move frequently and they herd animals. And yeah, there's a bunch of Greek legends about Tokmoris and uh, Herodotus is probably the most famous. And it's yeah. kind of like a, I, I would guess it's like a fictionalized or like a legend 
legendized type of historical story that got repeated over and over and over over oral tradition and then finally written down by the Greeks. So take the historical aspect with a grain of salt. And uh, the, the biggest kind of historical issue with the film is that it's in a like archaic form of Turkic language and uh-huh. the, the Saka and the, like the Mesagetai were like uh, an Iranian speaking folk so that has caused in, in the few reviews we've looked around for that's yeah. caused a little bit of uh, kind of hubbub among a bunch of people groups groups that we know nothing about so we won't, yeah, we yeah. won't dive in to say who's right and who's wrong or any of that <laughs> That is not the yeah purpose of this show. <laughs> but generally, it's like an epic hero story, um, with you know the main protagonist is a female step queen, and it follows the same arc as any other hero story. So another woman kicking ass story that we got this week. Back to back, hot chicks back kicking ass. Heck yeah! And just an FYI for everyone, this film is available on like digital streaming platforms. So wherever you can purchase digital movies, uh, you should be able to find this one under the foreign uh, section, The Legend of Tomaris. I paid a lot yeah. for it, man. Did you? Yeah, so the, the HD version was fifteen ninety nine on Vudu. Really? And uh, to rent it was four ninety nine. So Whoa. So on I'm, iTunes I paid nine ninety nine. Okay. Well, this was exciting because this is totally like the kind of stuff you're into. Yeah, yeah. From like a history perspective, it is like for sure, freaking Viagra for my history boner. Dude. <laughs> it was just like all the types of cultures that I'm extremely interested in because there's not really much information about them because they didn't have a writing system. Right. This movie kind of shows a lot of that culture, and I'm guessing they got a lot of. Uh, the details about you know the attire they were wearing and like day to day living yeah some of the day to day stuff I'm guessing they got a lot of that from the archaeology in the region because Kazakhstan yeah. has like a pretty insanely rich archaeological culture with uh, Kurgans Kurgans are like uh, Scythian steppe people burials sure that, that uh, often when they get sealed up freeze in the permafrost because it's such a cold climate. So yeah. preservation is like fantastic. And yeah. they even do a Kurgan burial in this movie, which was awesome. Oh, sweet. Okay. Well, if anyone hasn't noticed, El Tato's super interested in this subject matter. So let's start. And with I didn't you even first. pick this movie, by the way. We You didn't. I picked yeah. this one. I That's, said, let's uh, do something foreign. And we started <laughs> looking around and you found yeah. this. And I was like, I was probably more excited to watch this movie than any other movie we've done all year simply because of the subject matter because i'm so into it all right we'll expand on that so so after your first watch what were your thoughts on the legend of tomaris tomaris all right so i have to put everything into two different buckets right so we got we got the the storyline of the movie bucket where the the classic hero arc is in play that we've seen in a million movies and that side of it was was fine you know like i didn't really expect anything that didn't happen it was pretty much right down the line with your standard kind of hero arc storylines but what i loved about it was like the attention to detail on the step culture stuff so like the hats that they're wearing all of like the really badass archery and horse archery stuff yeah um the 
the kind of nods to the archaeological community in that region with the Kurgan burial of uh, the husband. Okay. I forget his name. I'm going to come back and ask you about that because I thought that was interesting too. And I don't know a whole lot about this region. so Yeah, and then from like a uh, military history perspective, some of like the details of the warfare stuff, uh-huh. I just absolutely loved it. Like, Oh, wow, so even that. Yeah, like the feigned retreats and like the game plan in the in the big pitch battle at the end of the movie, how she draws yeah. it out on the sand. Right. And like there is uh when the Khorasmians show up and they lure them into that valley and then flank them from both sides, like all of those little things. Yeah. I was just like eating it up, man. Oh cool. I, I loved it so much. It's it's really I don't feel like I'm knowledgeable enough to say whether things or not are accurate. Sure. But it's definitely way closer than some of the other movies that I've seen. Uh huh. That that do deal briefly with step culture. Right. And uh I, I just Was this the first film you've ever seen that's directly addressing the step culture on film? Um I guess okay, so there's a Russian movie called Mongol. Oh right, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually really good, and that's about Temujin Chinggis Khan. That's uh-huh. like his whole life story, and yeah. there's some pretty badass warfare in the end of that movie. But it is like so far from, from accurate that it's that it kind of puts puts you off a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Like they have like these giant curved, like when so when Chinggis unleashes his. Uh, full-blown heavy cavalry in that movie they're like straight ninjas mixed with (laughs) persian immortals like with these giant curved blades and it's just nothing like the tactics that they actually used well and the immortals make a brief appearance in this movie too don't they yeah they're they're a lot more like real world yeah they're pretty badass in this they're not like the the 300 immortals (laughs) but uh this movie i thought did a they they really paid attention to the details on war tactics and and the kind of like the ethos of step warfare which is which is a uh, thinking man's war or a thinking woman's warfare in this sense that had a lot more to do with exploiting um your advantage with horses because step peoples you know are raised in the saddle and i i was just blown away like some of the stuff when they're flipping backwards and firing backwards after yeah. they do their feign retreats and when they're having like their little archery competition, like I just loved all that, dude. I was just eating oh, it up, man. <laughs> so Drew done good this week. Drew done good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. What did I think of this movie? Yeah, yeah. I, sorry. I really liked it. I thought the production quality was really, really high. Surprisingly high. Yeah, that this is like nowhere near a Hollywood film. Their budget must have been pretty decent though, I would imagine. <laughs> Probably the worst, like, special effects use was during a sequence involving, like, an elk, I think, in the beginning. That was a little off, but, like, it's a minor criticism. I th- I loved all the practicality of this movie. Like, I loved using lots and lots of extras. I loved how it appeared to be shot almost entirely, like, on location. And I think they filmed throughout a bunch of different areas in Kazakhstan. So that was cool. 
It's a big ass country, so I'm sure they have plenty to choose from. Just like yeah, beautiful plains and like hills. It's just really, really nice to look at. And I loved all the like the detail in like costume design. I loved the practical sets in the surrounding areas, like with the the like domiciles they're living in and like the hearths, stuff like that, I thought was really, really cool. And although we can't really understand the language, we're watching this all with subtitle, like the the acting was there at least visually in terms of how people on screen express themselves emotionally, like visually on their faces and their actions. So everything came across really, really authentically. And I was just surprised at how well done this film was. And I, I was kind of nervous because what was the film that we did where <laughs> the Legion, I think it was where we saw the trailer and we were like, Oh, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. And the movie was awful. Awful. So I was like, I hope we didn't watch all of the greatest moments in the trailer. So when we when I got through the first hour, I was like, okay, good. We're we're like in a solid, well-made, you know, movie going in. So that was exciting. I don't know. I just like how you don't hear a lot about stories like this that deal with a very particular ethnic group or culture and you get to really sit in the spotlight with them. Even though it's it's kind of based off loosely like legend and and historical, like, mythological writing, I guess you could almost say. Herodotus, we can't really tell how much is is accurate and not. It's kind of like the Bible, right? There are little elements of it that are yeah, that did like, happen in our historical events. But the details exactly. is, you know, like the we, they were weaving stories back then, too. Right. But what it does is it gives you kind of a leeway to tell a good story, like, regardless of the accuracy of the history. Yeah. So I thought that was exciting. My one criticism of this film is that it was a bit long for me, and at times it felt long. And I guess, like, my total ignorance of, of the culture and, like, this region, I find it, found it hard to follow a bit in terms of, like, the, the politics between the different tribes of the steppe. Although it's a film that I would go back and rewatch because I feel like I, I'd be able to understand it a little more after watching it a first time. So, yeah, that's, that's a minor criticism for me. But I think on the whole, I thought this movie was really impressive. Yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed by it. And then, like, so this takes place, like, what, 2,600 years ago? Yeah. Even with whatever written sources from that time, it's like you really can't believe too much when you're dealing right. with this deep of antiquity. So, yeah. like, that does give them the leeway to just kind of, like, weave this legendary story, right? It's For almost sure. the same as like a Troy type situation and yeah, exactly. dealing with any of Homer's stuff. And I like I think the perfect analogy you made was the Bible. It's like there are little snippets of historical truth throughout and other things you're not so sure about, but from my viewpoint, that's a little less important. It's it's kind of more about does the story work and am I invested in the characters? Yeah. And in this film I felt like, well, it was long at times, and I did feel like I was kind of slogging through at moments. It also benefited the story because by the end, you're totally invested in Tumorous. Oh, yeah. And, like, her journey and where she ends up, and you're totally rooting for her by the end of the film. And, like, you're literally able to spend time with her from her birth throughout the rest of her life. And that's... You don't get a whole lot of films that do that. 
or at least do it as well as this film did, I think. I feel like it was a really long story. Yeah. And they felt the need to spend the time, and I kind of right. like that. Like, how how shitty would it have been if they glossed really quickly over the first two versions of her, right? The 10-year-old right. and yeah. the 15-year-old. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that they stayed with the 15-year-old one for a while, and even right. she had her little kind of arc, right? Yeah, for she, sure. She, like, trained up and got badass and then got frustrated with hiding out in the forest and left, and then her whole kind of tribe gets wiped out, and she comes and kills all the guys that did it, and then, you know, she's, like, wounded. Like, I, I enjoyed that they spent the time to tell the whole stories, and, like, when Homeboy goes to uh, Babylon... Like, they could have done that quickly, right? They could have done that in a few minutes, but they spent yeah. the time to make it, like, an extra 20 minutes of the movie. Right. And, like, her... You're literally on... By the point by the point of the film where they're battling the Persians, at the end, you've literally spent her whole lifetime. Like, you spent with her from her birth to that point as an adult leading her tribe. And... That works extremely well in this case. And I think, so before we started recording, I mentioned to you that this, it, it resembles like the epic classic films that you see from the 50s and 60s. And a film that I pointed out was Lawrence of Arabia. And like this film checks a lot of those classic epic boxes where it is shot mostly on location. It has massive amounts of extras. It's able to do like the long form narrative storytelling where you're able to follow a character very, very closely from birth to their like climax in the story. And you just don't see a lot of films like that these days anymore. And that was really refreshing. Yeah. From from a story standpoint, I don't know. I haven't read Herodotus. I don't really know the Tokhmuris legend at all. Yeah. But the whole first half of the movie is extremely similar to the story of uh, Genghis Khan. Temujin. really yeah like oh okay it's it's very very similar like with her her clan getting attacked and betrayed and her father getting killed and her running away and her living with another tribe for a long time and then her coming back and unifying her people like it's that's like exactly what's in the the secret history of the mongols about temujin's early life oh wow which is interesting because while the Mongols are quite a bit farther east and I guess different than the Sokka, there's it's it's almost like I feel like this movie was getting at this is like the step story. It's it kind of like mm -hmm. goes beyond of just the the Masagate or the Sokka. It's like this is like the the steps ultimate legend. And I felt yeah. like they were kind of retelling that. Okay. But they might have bitten quite a bit of the, the framework from uh Secret history of the Mongols. Huh, that's interesting. But in terms of like, so two two cultural groups, they're just completely different. I wouldn't say they're completely different at all. I would okay. say they speak different languages. Yeah. But and, like a shared culture, sort of? Just yeah. due to like the nomadic aspect of that? Yeah, it's like the, the step stretches from freaking Hungary to Manchuria. It's like the longest unbroken unit of geography on the planet, I believe, like a the yeah. longest stretch of ecologically similar land. 
Right. And I'm quite a bit of an environmental determinist, so I kind of view it as like, <laughs> if it doesn't really matter what language you speak or, or what, you know, quote unquote ethnicity you think of, I, I kind of view the, the whole step as like a, a shared culture. Gotcha. Okay, like here's an analogy, right? Okay. It's, it's kind of a clunky one, but so like Americans, right? Dirty, filthy people. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> so we're Americans, right? And we live okay. in a big ass continent. It's you know three thousand miles across, right? And we, our shared culture is what, that we're Americans, you know. And however you want to break that down, whatever. But if you go regionalized, people view themselves as different, right? State, sure. State to state. So that's kind of the way. Or even like within the state, and, itself. and that's not saying that they were politically unified at all. I mean, sure. I mean, it's more or less like you have to live certain types of ways in certain environments. Yeah. And until you get to like fairly diversified levels of culture, yeah. you know, like you get with agricultural societies, then you start to see major quote unquote cultural differences. Right. Cool. OK. So I, I would say, yeah, they're they're not far off culturally from Mongols, even though they might ethnically be a different people. It's like a it's like a shared life, right? Gotcha. Shared shared culture. The way of the horse, the way of the nomads, you know, raising animals, the archery stuff, like the warfare. It's all very similar across most of the step. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's and again, this is my ignorance of the whole step culture, quote unquote. I'm very unfamiliar with that region. I am but too. That, I've just been become quite interested in the last three, four years. Yeah, well, I never I mean, studied it in college or anything. I would have loved to. Oh, yeah. It's just getting a little taste of, of that region in this film. It's really, really interesting. Just all the the political dynamics between different groups within that whole broader region. And I don't know. I just found it fascinating. Let me ask you specifically about the story, though, the story of the main character. Okay. So in terms of her arc, what specific element of her journey was did? Was there any specific element of her journey towards like the very end of the film that that caught your attention or that you you appreciated watching the film so i enjoyed her her childhood and her kind of coming to age or coming to know herself portion of the movie right and when she fucks those dudes up in the forest that was like <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie i was like oh that's so awesome this but, is the teenage version of the character right yeah okay she kills like what three four dudes right yeah and it's awesome but i'll say the the part that i liked the most was when she first commands the army when when she gets the the tribes to kind of rally behind her to take on the Khwarezmians. yeah that was my favorite pinnacle of her kind of life and career that we see because after that she's like a queen basically right yeah it's before she gets married right yeah okay yeah, this is when this is like the first major battle scene that that she leads, she takes command of. Right. Right? And she's like, "Look, we're going to we're going to bum rush them on the front and then we're going to retreat and they're going to follow us into this valley and then we're going to flank them from both sides and then we're going to turn and you know, hit them back right on the front and hit them from three sides." I was just like, ah. I was just like <laughs> drooling, dude, at how fucking much I love that shit. <laughs> that was definitely my favorite kind of like uh, rite of passage, I guess, for her character in the movie. Because after that, she was just like a noble queen, right? 
Right. This is just kind of like a nerdy question to ask you, but in terms of their like their battle technology with like the weaponry they were using and the use of metals, did that is that pretty accurate in I, terms I, of like So I think from what you know at least. So this this takes place 600 BC, right? Is this like Bronze Age? Is this This after? is after. So this is like 6-ish 100 years. Yeah, okay. After the quote-unquote Bronze Age collapse. Yeah. But there's like quite a gradient there, you know. With, right, yeah. It's not like one day everybody stopped using bronze and started using yeah, iron exactly. because like they kind of play into that when they when the Bactrian refugees show up uh-huh. and they're like we know how to make iron, you know, like check out this sword, yeah. it's badass. And that I don't know if it's accurate from a time period standpoint, but I appreciate yeah. it because it shows that like metallurgy trickled, right? It trickled across the world. It wasn't like a quick thing. So I imagine they're they're using bronze most of the time. So that's what I was actually alluding in to in my question. In movie. Like that's what I was referring to the moment where you have those refugees and they're like, Look, we have this cool tech. Yeah. So I'm guessing, yeah, to me it, it seemed like those were like iron weapons that they were like trying to sell them on or something like that. Yeah. And then they play that up, right? Because when they're yeah. preparing to fight the Persians, she's like, well, I need that everybody and every bit of iron that we can make, we need to make it. And they only right. remember they only make enough suits of the I think it's the Lamellar or mm-hmm. Laminar. I'm not sure. The type of armor, the scaled armor that overlaps yeah. and they remember the the scene where the guy comes in, he's like, check this shit out. Like it's right. Badass. Yeah, yeah. And they only have enough material to make armor for a hundred soldiers to wear yeah. it into battle, right. right? So when that's part of the big part of their Cyrus game plan is like they we're gonna hit the front and then we're gonna back off and then we're gonna hit the flanks and then we're gonna come charging into the front again and then we're gonna use our iron hundred as a battering ram to get through to Cyrus. Like yeah. I loved it, dude. Like I love <laughs> that they spent the time to show the armor and and do the little bit where the guy's like i know how to make iron you know yeah because those are those are big elements of history and whether or not it did happen at that point in that region i don't give a fuck you know (laughs) yeah no it's fair i'm totally on the same page with you and then real briefly i i guess we've already been well into spoiler territory by now but (laughs) I yeah, I ask guess you, so. I do yeah. want to ask you about the end a little bit. So you can keep it as vague as you want or specific as you want, I guess. I'll leave it up to you. But where the story ends in that whole sequence, and I think you know what I'm talking about regarding, like, a, a bag. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of that, the, the way they ended the film and maybe even, like, that very last sequence that we get? So it's hard to, to not poke at the final stuff, right? Because okay. It is Cyrus, who's like a pretty famous figure in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for the whole arc of the movie, it kind of has to be that triumphant, right? Yeah. Whether or yeah. not it's it's true. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll put it this way. I enjoyed everything visually. Yeah. Of that, like the whole final battle. And and the dude who's, who's rushing him, that's her slave boy, right? That she rescues yeah. from the Chorismians. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's a total badass. Yeah. Um, which is cool. But uh, <laughs> I guess I liked the visuals so much that I don't really care about yeah. how kind of predictable and how on the nose the ending is. Okay, gotcha. 
but the 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 bag and shit i love that dude and like the head, <laughs> heads on the horses when they're riding around yeah i love that shit man all right well cool and i agree with you too like where else is a story like this going to end up with you know other than like sitting on the top of a of a hill triumphantly like you know after battle so and yeah the ending that's where it, it really does seem propaganda y yeah <laughs> right like well, I, me and you don't know a goddamn thing about central asian politics right so we're not gonna comment on whether or not it is but it does feel kind of like yeah. a propaganda film at, 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 especially at the ending yeah we're we're trying to innocently just discuss this as a film yeah. strictly but uh, <laughs> all right let's let's try and slog through what i think is going to be the hardest thing to talk about because all the cast lists for this film are awful but yeah, there's only like can. fuck twelve people. Yeah, on they, IMDb, it's really really hard. And even like the names of the characters within the film for me were kind of hard to to keep track of. But we'll do our best here. So let's let's start obviously at the top with Tomaris herself. She's played by three different actresses at different periods of life. So like we have the child version, the teenage version, and then the the full on adult version of the character. You can even you could break this down separately by the three, or you could just do this as an overall like believability of the character as one person. How did uh, the performances come across to you? Quite believable. Okay, cool. You know the ten-year-old version of her was was pretty good. It wasn't long, right? It was only no. maybe ten, fifteen minutes. And then the, I did like the teenage version of her a lot. Yeah, she was probably my favorite. Yeah, me too. And then when it switched, the when it switched did that to the adult, I was like, "Is that her?" Like, yeah. did they? I couldn't tell on if they changed actors or not because they did look extremely similar, right? Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't tell if they if they had changed or not. And I didn't. I I eventually forgot and stopped caring. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because there was a point where. I was so invested in the teenage version of the character. And then when they swapped her out, I was like, no, because I was already so invested. Yeah. And I was like, damn, so now I got to start this all over again. But then, yeah, like five minutes later, you totally forget about it. <laughs> but what I, what I really liked was like there was three, I guess, major themes for each of the actresses playing her. So like the the first, the child actress, she has to deal with the whole loss of her father element. So that's like her major kind of acting moment is to to like really dive into the emotional weight that Tomris experiences after the death of her father because it shapes her entire life like in this story. So that was really, really awesome to see. And I thought she did a great job. Like she's being dragged away, watching her father like fall to the ground in Fight an attempt to escape. End, dude. Yeah. And it's just like really, really well done and really well acted. Then the teenage version of the character comes about and she's kind of she's kind of lost like she's searching for like where is her place in this land and like what is her role her people are gone like she has no connection to them at this point and she's kind of wandering around and I really identify with that struggle she has because I mean any person can feel that way even in your everyday normal life and I just loved the way she's able to like balance kind of this like vulnerability, but also the strength because she has some really badass fight sequences too that Fuck you mentioned. Yeah. But yeah, just like visually the way that actress 
pulls off the character at that moment in her life. I loved the balance between like that vulnerability and almost that like on the verge of innocence still, but then breaking into adulthood while also coming into this like woman kicking ass persona. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. And then lastly, with the adult version of the character, she's just full on badass. So she's like, just the way she like looks off camera, like she has that glare where you just do not want to fuck with somebody like that. (laughs) And then you get to see like the extent of her training once she gets into like the other clans and she picks up like, do you remember the clan name? The, the, the clan of just a bunch of warrior fucking badass women. No. I don't remember. That's probably which... my favorite whole part of the film was when she like gets almost inducted into that group and you get to see how they operate. Yeah, that part was interesting too cuz it was like exclusively women. Yeah. And even the kids were women. And, but then they had like a like a chief dude. Yeah, he was kind of like in charge but like from afar, I guess. It was kind of weird. Yeah, but then like kind of as time went on, there was like all of a sudden there was dudes all over the place. Yeah. So it was a bit interesting. It was almost like almost like a sorority that she got adopted into in the, in the beginning. And then they all kind of matured out of it and went back to yeah. living with the men. Right. But, uh, Tormaris played by, what is it? Almira Turson. Mm-hmm. She is pretty badass in this movie. Yeah. Like from an action standpoint, mm-hmm. I, I read that she took archery and, and horse riding Oh, yeah. A bunch of lessons to, to film this. And also, from my understanding, she's not an actress. She is a professional psychologist. That's pretty interesting. So that adds to, like, <laughs> the badassery of... And on the wiki page, it said they looked fifteen thousand over 15,000 women auditioned, auditioned for, the for this role. Good God. Which is pretty insane. Wow. But, yeah, I I, I was so bought in to her. Yeah. And I I mean obviously you have to be for a film like this that is centered around her. But going back to my comment about her getting into like the clan of badass women, that brings up my I mean probably my second favorite character in the whole film, Sardana, who is another like female badass played by Aizan League. I don't know, I'm I'm totally killing that name. Uh, she's awesome, dude. She was so good. And I love the relationship that her and Tomaris developed. It's like this total sisterly bond they got going on. And in a sense, she's almost like her right hand person at, at a point where she completely trusts her. And I don't know, they just developed this like chemistry together. And it's like two warriors going out that are, that have been going at it and have been at, the pinnacle of mastering battle. Like it's, it's really, really cool to see. She's got such a wicked fight scene at the end. Yeah. That was probably like the single longest choreographed fight scene in the movie. Right. Yeah. And what was cool is when they're, they're first introduced to each other, there is kind of that like antagonism going on. Cause they don't know. She doesn't know what Tomaris is all about. And she's kind of, she seems a bit concerned or pessimistic about her being there in the first place. But then once that develops, it's really, really entertaining to see. And I love their dynamic. Did you, was there a favorite character for you that stood out that comes to mind? I know that the list is really, really bare here. 
But even if you can give like a general, I mean, like, my two favorite characters character were was Tomaris and Sardana by far. Okay, cool. And then uh, how do you say his name? Gasan Masood. Uh huh. He plays Cyrus. Right. I thought he totally looked the part really well. Yeah. And for how like uh, grand. Cyrus the Great is in kind of historical lore that they really went for it, but yeah, that stuff was like, like a little, a little intense over the top. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I guess what they had going for them is like when I heard the name Cyrus the Great, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's what I expect when I hear Cyrus the Great. Yeah, like someone like that. So I got an interesting question. So like the the movie Three Hundred that deals with Persians later, a couple centuries later than this, but yeah. That movie is like almost graphic novel, comic book style. It is definitely graphic novel style because it's based off of a graphic and novel. And super fictionalized, you know? But yep, very stylized. The fact that it has just that little hint of historical act of like something did happen, right? Yeah. Makes it, I believe, like I almost like this type of fiction way more than full-blown crazy fiction right gotcha okay but what i'm thinking is like a movie like there's been you know ancient greek movies made forever and they all kind of have that this cool little like yeah something did happen that inspired this story Mm -hmm. and throw the details out the window right and this movie totally has that yeah i think this is like in terms of the uh, the visual elements of this movie, it's a lot more real world, set in the real world. But yeah, I think you're picking up on something 100% right, where it's like the themes of the story and the broader legendary aspect of it, you can almost put pound per pound, per pound up against 300. It's the same kind of narrative storytelling, I guess, based off of legend. And all, all, those all our Snyder damn goes, stories are all epic hero stories. You yeah. know, the, every, everything is. Right. You know, it would be cool to see a film like this, though, told in that very stylized way. That would be interesting. Yeah. But still, like, I, I think the, the look of the film, I really appreciate. Because that's, it's almost like you can, you can go as legendary as you want it with your story. But if it looks authentic, I think that's what gets people the most. That's an easier sell, I think, than for 300, even though that, you know, a lot of people saw it and a lot of people like it. It's a lot more believable than a film like 300 when you have like these giants fighting, (laughs) you know, these armies of Spartans and it's just balls to the walls bonkers. But yeah, yeah, that one definitely has a more mystical kind of thing. There's there's not really much mysticism in this at all. Right. It's like totally hyper realistic, except for her dream world. Yeah. Her, where she fights her on fire winged lion. Yeah. Let me ask you about that real quick. Because um, I, I know we're on character, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. How did you take that? I, I really don't know. I mean, I think it's like just her inner conquering, right? It's like, that's like the metaphor is like she's conquering this inner beast. Yeah. You know? And it was like kind of cheesy the first time the lion shows up because she's a kid. Mm hmm. And then it was like not as cheesy the next time. And then the final time it shows up, it was like actually a pretty sweet scene, I thought. I thought that was the best use of, of like special effects in the whole film. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> better than the elk in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. They were like, if we had to divide our budget on this, <laughs> it 
It's like 90 and then 10%. <laughs> Any other but, characters uh, you could think of? Argun is like the her Tomaris's husband. Yeah, he was really cool. I love What's the, his name? Adil Akhmatov? Yeah. I love the kid actor that plays uh, the slave that she picks up. I don't even remember his name. Uh, I don't remember his name either. Um, sorry. And um, the other character I really liked was the actor who played or the, the character of her dad. Uh, yeah. Tomaris's father. I thought he did it like he did a great job of playing the like noble leader that also is in love with his daughter, although he was like really stoked to try and have a son. But I loved watching them on screen together when he's teaching her like how to fight and kind of passing down his knowledge. I kind of gravitate towards characters like that. I just think they're really cool. Yeah, I wish he was listed on the on the cast. I can't even remember his name in the movie. Yeah, me either. But uh, shout out to him. But that's all I got for character, unless there was something else you had. Yeah, I liked, uh, he's not on here either, but uh, the guy who played the Persian emissary. Oh, yeah, another. I think everyone in this film was really well cast. It all looked the part to me. Right down to, like, the scribe writing, like, kind of narrating the legend. Yeah, like uh, 1,500 years later almost. Yeah. Ibn al- something right (laughs) (laughs) i want to find that guy's Uh, account and read it yeah but like i i appreciated just casting wise how it was like this this big mishmash of people right the persian dudes looked like persian dudes and the step peoples were highly variable which is quite accurate i think for that time period right and uh they did that in uh, Waited for the Barbarians, too, right? They had the yeah step folks. Some of them were very East Asian looking. Some of them had like blonde hair and shit. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. they did that in this movie, too. And I kind of like that because it's like the ultimate in-between land on the planet, right? Like it's in between the two most different cultures on the on the planet, right? The East and the West. Yeah. And it's it, it spans that whole thing so you're going to get like this massive gradient of peoples right from a genetic standpoint and i like that i believed everybody in there yeah me too to me it looked to me it looked cool i could be way off but i i was totally bought into all the characters like they believe i believed that they were alive in that time period yeah you know as opposed to the movie we did last week like i i really believed that these were all just coming out of the the first major Dark Age peoples after yeah. the Bronze Age. Collapse. Like, you didn't buy Chris Pine 100 years ago. It's <laughs> yeah, not even 100. He couldn't even do 100. These people are doing <laughs> 2,600, yo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on here. Here's another element of this film that I thought was really cool, and it was the cinematography, but more importantly, not only the shots themselves, but shooting on location. And I'm going to emphasize that so much because for me, I don't care what kind of story you're telling. Anytime you can set something in the real world and go outside and just start rolling and capture real landscapes, I'm always going to gravitate towards that aspect of movie making over green screen. Like I understand if you're shooting like an Avatar film that takes place on a completely fabricated uh, set. Yeah, that's fine. But 
like something like this that's based loosely on history and leg- and and a region. I love the fact that they were able to go out and shoot in that area. Yeah, it's largely a geographic story, right? Yeah. And they really put the effort in to to pay tribute to that geography. Right. And I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in terms of like, you know, topography or anything, but the open land of the steppe and just looking across all of the the plains, it was beautifully captured on film. And I don't know, that was really refreshing to me. It was because uh, you don't get that a whole lot at all. And I mean, I don't know if they were using anamorphic, but could you imagine this film being shot in like IMAX? Yeah. Like with that scenery, that would have been... Some of the drone shots when they're riding, oh yeah, were like so epic, right? Like they mm-hmm. they pan out so far on some of these scenes, and there's just nothing. Yeah, <laughs> right. And those are legit, right? They're not. There's a lot of open real estate. They're, yeah, definitely. But they're <laughs> not like uh, there's not a point on the screen, or at least I didn't notice it, where it turns from a real landscape to a digital, right? Yeah. Those were all legit shots like the the when they fight the Khorasmians. Mhm. Like they probably had what 3 to 500 people out there riding horses and chariots oh, yeah. and shit. Yeah. And they were filming that with a drone like from the valley like dude. It was <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. And it goes back to that that whole thing I I was saying about the epic, the classic epic. You see that that was just main staple stuff to see in films of this scale. And uh, we don't get that a whole lot anymore. And some of my favorite shots were, were the ones during battle where the camera's zoomed in, almost like in telephoto, and then the frame is just filled with bodies yeah. like slashing at each other. Yeah, I love shots like that because it, it just emphasizes the scale, but also like the tangible quality to the people on screen. I really loved the battle against the Persians and yeah. how they kept like zooming out to the full battlefield, which was like, you know, the front was like a co- multiple kilometers wide or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I don't know if that was digital. It probably was right. But it yeah, was probably like, that's probably the only major battle part that was digital. And I, I really enjoyed it. But like even even that aside, the amount of real people they had on screen at a given point in time was massive. Yeah. And I also loved there were a couple sequences where you just have a line of horse people like horsemen lined up. Yeah. On screen at the same time. Those were I think some of the coolest use of like having these massive casts was when you're able to like see them all riding horseback on the frame at the same time. Oh man. So like when uh, when they unite the two two groups and they and they're gonna bring Tormaris back to let her rule her people again. Yeah. When those two armies line up, right? It's the it's the Mesogatai with some Khorasmian dudes. Yes. And then the other two tribes that have unified. Like there mm-hmm. was literally all those dudes were there. Yeah. Like that whole sequence when she goes up and she has to she calls out. Cartoon and Kavaz for killing her dad, you know, and gives her whole speech. Yeah. Like all those dudes were really there. Yeah. And that like there was easily a couple hundred dudes on each side, right? Yep. 
Uh, you just got to appreciate. Well, maybe maybe they have lots of horses and dudes that looked the part in Kazakhstan. Maybe they had that working, yeah, working in their favor. Man, when you, I'll tell you this because I I actually was an extra in a film once. Oh, nice. Um, Batman versus Superman. This was like 2016, I think. Really? But if you put out if you put out any kind of ad where they're like, we need you to show up and be an extra in a movie, like people are going to show up. But it's I'm I'm surprised that they don't do that more often because I guess well at least in the Hollywood system it's broken up by like you have extras that are people that show up that don't get paid yeah you and do. then you have extras that show up and get paid that can be like part of the actors guild and so I'm assuming all of the people that they had in this film because they're doing so much actual like physical yeah stuff horse on screen, riding was definitely. And horse there. riding. <laughs> you have sure. to know how to ride a yeah. horse. So, like, I could understand maybe, like, in terms of logistics, that's hard to pull off nowadays, but I just think it's so cool when movies can do that. Yeah, me I, too. I'd prefer that over, you know, any kind of, like, CGI any day. It's the little details like that, right, that make me not care that much that I know this, I've heard the story before, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think for me, that was probably my favorite part of the whole film is just the production quality was so high. I, from like a filmmaking standpoint, I really appreciated the warfare. Just like all of the horse shots and the archery from the horses, I liked a lot. But the sword fighting was so good. And like from the beginning on, it wasn't like there was just a couple. They were all pretty sweet. Like the scene where Argun gets ambushed, you know, in his tent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that sword fight was awesome like 10 yeah. dudes 10 on They're 10 like in a tent up from the top of the tent too dude it was so good <laughs> and then there's the scene when uh Tormaris's dad gets taken out in the beginning yeah and i appreciated that like when dudes were getting stabbed it really looked like they were getting stabbed oh and it yeah looked like they were getting stabbed with bronze weapons right it wasn't like fucking stomach through the gut all the way down to the wrist or the pommel you know what i mean and then pull it out all clean it was like stab the guy and it only went in like four inches (laughs) and there was like a bunch of that yeah of like brutal stabs in the neck and the shoulder where it doesn't go deep in like in troy when achilles jumps up and sticks his sword down the shoulder blade of boagrius and pulls it out all in one motion and it looks super fake yeah, none like, of that titanium bronze. Yeah. <laughs> and in this, it was just like there were so many stabbings and so many gruesome freaking violent acts that looked really, really bad. Like bad as in they looked real. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, too, that you brought that up because I wouldn't necessarily say that this film is gory either, though. I thought it they ju- did a, did justice to the gore in, in, during all the fight scenes. Like for me, I think it was at the end where I was like, oh, shit. In terms of, like, dismemberment or anything like that, I, I didn't see a whole lot. But, again, you just said, like, bronze weapons, you're not going to expect a lot of that anyways. But, yeah, I, I did, like, um, I guess you can also give your hat off to sound design, too, because I think that's a lot of, it adds to a lot of that action going on with, yeah. like, the stabbing sounds and the clashing of swords and stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that's a nightmare when you're doing sequences like this. They probably don't even use anything that's recorded on on location. Yeah. It's all overdubbed. 
but yeah, I think we're in agreement. It's, this it's is one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, definitely the strong suit. The detail, you know, the costume yeah. design detail and like the the full commitment to the geography and capturing the geography. Yeah, for it's sure. It's just a, a bravo for me. Yeah, me too. Let's talk a little bit about the score. Let me ask you, well, d- does it work for you or not in this movie? I mean, it Do was you- a, it was a little over the top. It worked in sections. Yeah. And it was kind of present the whole time. Yeah, but I think so too. It didn't bother me as much because I'm interested in the subject matter. So I wouldn't I'll probably give it I'll end up giving it half a point. Yeah. For same for, with me. For score. Mm-hmm. It was very predictable and very, you know, on the nose with the, the tone of the whole movie, like this ancient epic kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think for me there were moments that worked and a lot of them had to do with like smaller moments, more intimate moments in the film, but also just cause I'm like a snob with this stuff. Like I noticed that a lot of it is, it's probably um, like sample, sample mixes and stuff. It's not done, you know, with live instrumentation. It's all kind of computer, computer based uh, composing, which is fine. But that, that was uh, also something I kind of noticed where I was like, okay, maybe they decided to, pull back a little bit on the budget for the score, which is fine because we everything else we got was great. So, yeah, not a whole lot in terms of... It's what like you having, would expect, right? Yeah, having real strong feelings with it's the score. It's an ancient epic, and it's exactly the type of score that you imagine it is. For sure, yeah. All right, we've reached that point of the show. We're starting to wrap up here. Let's get into our love-hates, and I'll start with you. So I got three loves. Okay. I loved Sardana... And Tolmaris. Mm-hmm. I love I love hot chicks kicking ass, man. I can't get <laughs> enough of it. And they are so badass in this movie that it's like a different level. It's like different than the the hot blonde assassin, right? Yo, yeah. It's a total like ancient warrior kind of hot. And I love it. And then I love the <laughs> atomic, subject matter. Atomic blonde BC. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh what's her name? Charlize had a little bit of that in Old Guard. She does, that's right. Yeah, it's like same time period, right? Yeah. That she's supposed to have come out of. Right. Imagine her playing Tormaris. Oh, shit, now that I'm thinking, how nuts would that be if that character she played, like her original character in that story, is this character? <laughs> it might be based off the same legend. What's that's Andromache? Yeah. It might be. Who knows? Wow. Really cool. That kind of like, you know, Scythian step Amazon woman thing. Yeah. And then we got a theme here. Wonder Woman has the whole deal going on, too. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even realize that. Yeah. But more, please. Um, Yeah. Yes, please. Please, I want some more. Yeah. And uh, the other part I love is the geography and the time period. Like, I'm I'm just, as you can tell, I'm totally obsessed with with that part of the world and that time period and, and really... Not specific to that time period, but really just that whole step culture. I'm super, super intrigued by it because we learned absolutely nothing about it growing up. Yeah. And uh, what I hate about the movie is, I don't know, probably that it definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. And it and we might willfully be advertising a propaganda movie. I have no idea if we are or not. <laughs> The fact that we don't know anything about the the politics behind any of this, 
makes full me disclosure a, makes me a little ignorance. nervous. Yeah, full <laughs> disclosure of ignorance. <laughs> then yeah, that's probably what I hate the most is that the stuff that I'm reading online is like, oh, it's a it's a very knee jerky kind of movie for some people, and that that sucks. As fans who don't know anything about it, I I freaking was totally digging it, man. Sweet. What about you? Let's see. For loves, I'm gonna go with the entire production of this film. I love movies that are that are almost like callbacks to those classic epics. I love films like Lawrence of Arabia and like even more recently I'd put into that company of films like The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy films, like the first one. That was almost like Warner Brothers going back to those like epic roots. So when I yeah, when I saw this film, it was a pleasant surprise with how big it was and how massive the story was and the use of practical effects and people. So that was like that just totally tugged on my heartstrings. And then in terms of hates, they're not really mu- like hates, they're just kind of I guess it's kind of the 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 baggage you expect from from epic films like at points it did seem like it was a bit drawn out and long. There were moments where like special effects and CGI didn't work for me. Uh little parts of the score, but I mean this is all like kind of nitpicky and you know, I'm I'm I didn't go into this film expecting it to be perfect, but they were just kind of little observations that I had. So, you know, on the whole, I enjoyed it. So, where would this rank on your bongometer? What kind of score are you slapping on this? The Legend of Tomaris. So, I will say I expected it to be really bad. Like even even after watching the trailer, just because we got hoodwinked with the Legion, we, oh, you yeah. know, watched the trailer on that and yeah. I have so much kind of obsession about <laughs> about ancient history that I was expecting a quite a big letdown and it didn't let me down at all on like <laughs> scratching that history itch for me. Yeah. And I know, I know details and all that are may not be wrong, but whatever it's legend, you know, this is far beyond the time frames when, when we have a good idea of exactly what happened. Right. So yeah, I'm going to give it four bong loads. Sweet. So the, there's, they're definitely getting a point for the acting and the casting because it was was spot on with me yeah and the fact that they're speaking another language that i've never even heard until i seen this movie yeah both the languages that come across in it ancient persian and a form of turkic right yeah so it's it's really easy to buy in when you don't speak the language in my opinion to the characters i'm gonna give them only half for story because I feel like the first half of the movie was like a direct bite from the secret history of the Mongols. Okay. So they're going to get half on story and then half on score because it was so on the nose. But yeah, four bong loads for me. Okay, cool. I am going to give this film a 3.5. Okay. So for me, there was a lot that worked. And like I said, there were, there were moments that that dragged a little bit for me, so at times it did feel a bit long. There were just small misses with, with special effects, and then score, I could tell that it was... They probably didn't want to invest as the, the money into like the production value of the score, which is fine. But that's a 3.5, like an enjoyable 3.5. It's a, it's a film that I enjoyed, and it met my expectations, so I was stoked about that. Um, cause the trailer, it looked really, really good in the trailer and you, you get what you're, what you're sold in the trailer. So 
anytime a film lines up with what you get in its its trailer, I'm I'm all on board for. Um, I'm just glad we didn't get hoodwinked like we did with the Legion. Fuck you, kinda... Legion. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so... I th- I think your review might get some some action because there's like nothing about this movie online. It's got yeah. no Rotten Tomatoes score. There's like a couple of reviews that I saw that I couldn't really take very uh, unbiasedly. I guess they seemed <laughs> they seemed very reactionary and seemed like they had a lot more a lot more yeah. motivation than just talking about this movie. So yeah, are they all written by like ministers of culture in other countries? <laughs> well, there was like a really I, I had a couple ones from uh, Iranian folks that seemed pretty ticked off that they lopped off Cyrus's head maybe and yeah. that the Saka were an Iranian speaking people. And then a couple other ones, I did find one from a person in Kazakhstan that was translated into English that basically said like, you know, this movie is totally missing on a lot of the historical details, but we should all watch it as a, as a people for oh, living okay, in yeah. Kazakhstan. And that, and that mm-hmm. kind of gets back to like this kind of step, story this you know like the yeah former greatness right yeah and uh it did get a little action it won what is this the novu genre great prize in france's france right Le entrange yeah and france uh knows a thing or two about auteur uh, cinema so <laughs> they liked it yeah they liked it but hey, i enjoyed it man it was cool to do a foreign movie i i, I dig them yeah so Again, we'll throw this out there. If if there's, if there are any other foreign films that you know you guys can recommend that you'd want us to talk about, we're totally open to it. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I got on this film. I was it was pleasantly well done, and uh, I bought it, so I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, so did I. It's it like pretty it, sweet. Like we mentioned earlier, you can buy it on any platform that that sells digital films, and I think it's even available on uh, disc. It's definitely cheaper on iTunes than it was on uh, Vudu. Yeah, I paid nine ninety nine for it. So, if you're into foreign films and you're looking for something to kind of get your feet wet in the the culture of the steppe and that whole region, uh, I think this is a good starting place. But that's all I got, man. Anything else you wanna? Shout out, Kazakhstan. We got two movies in the past, even though one of them isn't really. um, (laughs) Two of them in the past month. Yeah, you have a lot to be proud of. And I got to say, I got to say, a lot of Borat seems a lot more accurate from a linguistic and a name side than I realized (laughs) watching it the first time. Oh, man. (laughs) Just like really names, right? Yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) The whole ministry of the fact that this movie was made... By the Ministry of Culture and Sports for Kazakhstan <laughs> is pretty crazy. Is this the first? Is this the first uh, government-funded movie we've done? Uh, I don't know. I I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes. <laughs> it must be. Although Mulan seems to have some baggage. But <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. Right. The shadow government, Mulan. Yeah. All right. But, uh, we'll stay out of that for now. <laughs> Let's steer clear. But uh, that's that's been episode 48 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast. And we will catch you guys next week for a special Thanksgiving episode, I guess. I don't know if it's special, but we'll, we'll get something out for you to listen to after your turkey, I guess. Yeah. In the States. Yeah. So have a good week, everyone, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace.